Hi, I'm Jeremy Sizemore, and welcome to my podcast. Uh, we've not quite named it yet. It's probably going to end up being some uh, twist on Florida Man or something ridiculous like that. It's kind of poke fun. Uh, today's sponsor is Coastline Claims. Coastline Claims is a local public insurance adjuster where our mission statement is to provide our clients with an honest and fair assessment of their claim, to diligently work with our clients to affect the best settlement we can in the shortest amount of time possible. If you think you may have a claim as a result of any recent storms, or maybe you have some mold or mildew on your walls, then give Coastline Claims a call. They may be able to help you. Coastline Claims is a member in good standing with Florida Association of Public Insurance Adjusters, or FAPIA for short. Uh, Call Coastline Claims today for a free consultation. And on to our podcast. Bring issues that are in the state of Florida uh, to light, talk about some different things going on, and uh, more or less to just have fun and uh, talk about different things in, in, uh, in the state of Florida that are interesting to not only me, but perhaps to you as well. So one of the things I want to talk about today is uh, Stephen Michael Bush and the American Policyholders Association come together and they put out a recent video talking about some of the fraud that has been happening in the state of Florida and the insurance market specifically. And because of that, we want to do a video and uh, talk a little bit about this. I'm going to show the clip. And then we're going to talk about some things that have been happening, how the insurance company uh, strategically underpays your claim and uh, what's happening with the upcoming litigation and some things that you can do to help mitigate this and help stabilize the insurance market on on the whole. Um, As such, let's go ahead and jump into it. Our first topic uh, of discussion is going to be does the insurance company actually commit fraud and do they commit fraud against you on a regular basis? Um, A lot of people would probably say no, right? Uh, A lot of people have this uh, trust that their insurance company is, is on their side. And a lot of it has to do with the marketing that the insurance companies have done, you know, you've got marketing slogans out there, uh, like a good neighbor, you're in good hands, we're here for you. You, you know, you've got a lot of those uh, guys that that are those companies that have put that out there. And they've done a real good job at convincing people that they're, uh, they're there to help them when in fact, they're not Their their primary goal is to be there to make money and to strategically pay as little as they possibly can on the claim. And they do this through a variety of different uh, methods. One is the estimating software. One is uh, the insurance adjusting companies um, and how they uh, competitively bid these companies against one another in order to find companies that'll that that'll help them strategically underpay claims. Um, I remember when I was an independent adjuster, I went up to Georgia to meet with uh, the owner of an adjusting firm. I was looking to take on some more work and stuff like that at that time. And uh, I remember sitting down and talking to him. And when I went through my adjuster training, 
they kind of teach you that, you know, you're there to help the insured. That's what your job is as the adjuster is to determine what coverage the insurance company owes to the insured, figure out what the real value of this and pay everything that you're supposed to pay under the policy. Right. So when I met with this adjuster, uh, the, the owner of this adjusting firm up there, he one of the first things he said was, oh, well, you know, they only like us when they like us. And, you know, you could save them hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if they find somebody to save them 10 more, they'll go with them before they'll go with with you. And, you know, you don't really think about that that much when you're in the moment. But after I had left that, it didn't really make a lot of sense to me because, one, you, you've got a guy who knows that the insurance company is doing this. And in order to continue making money off of the insurance company, he's forgoing his morals and he's moving on. Uh, he's helping them to strategically underpay claims. Now, in this uh, story that we're fixing to watch a clip on, uh, it, it's Stephen Michael Bush interviewing three different adjusters. And now I, I have went in and I have chopped out a couple of clips that I feel is important. The video is about 10 minutes long. Um, and it talks about how they use Xactimate to underpay the claims, how they use their estimating guidelines to underpay their claims. And it, it they give a lot of supporting evidence, which I'll talk about in later podcasts about this subject. This isn't going to be the only one because we do have this special session that's that's up and running and it's um, starting to cause some issues in the in the state uh, and things for us to talk about. Now, uh, comparatively, I know their story is true because it happened to me when I was an independent. That's part of the reason why I'm now a public adjuster and uh, I work on the side of the policyholder. Uh, but basically what the gist is, is these guys were hired to go out and to assess what the insured was owed under the policy. And when they went out, they assessed the damage. They paid for everything like they thought they were supposed to be paying for it. And then when they sent the estimates in, lo and behold, the insurance company come back and they changed their estimate, estimates or they removed um, different things out of their estimate to make it fit more with the carrier's guidelines. Um, and to quote Mr. Bush uh, in this, um, at the end of it, he says, by far the, the, the best quote I think I've heard about this, it's wrong. It's just wrong. Uh, and that being said, let's go ahead and kick over to the video. And uh, we'll watch that and come back and talk about a few other things that are happening. Any person who with the intent to injure, defraud, or deceive any insurer or insured prepares, presents, or causes to be presented a proof of loss or estimate of cost or repair of damaged property in support of a claim under an insurance policy, knowing that the proof of loss or estimate of claim or repairs contains any false, incomplete, or misleading information concerning any fact or thing material to the claim commits a felony of the third degree. Individual loss. Okay. And then that was supposed to be sent back to the insurance company for them That's to correct. okay for them to review it and make payment. Correct. So you guys were working these claims. You were visiting with the policyholders. 
you were looking at their damages, writing their estimates, and um, Sean, why don't you tell us what happened after that? Okay, so I began uh, submitting the claims, and and as understandable, it took a while for the files to begin being reviewed. I noticed on my first claim that was reviewed was a uh, I received a notification that from a um, exact analysis, which is the system that runs our estimating system, that a file had been quote unquote collaborated. And I thought that was odd because usually what happens is that if somebody wants to change an estimate, um, the reviewer will reach out to us directly, ask us to make changes, and we can discuss if the changes are necessary or not. So I went into the claim, <clears throat> and this claim was a, this particular claim was a tile roof uh, with substantial damage to it. Therefore, I estimated to replace the entire uh, roof. However, the, the collaboration that the the reviewer changed the estimate to reflect replacing 499 tiles, which I thought was really unusual. Um, so obviously I was upset. Um, I called uh, I called James, who is my contact, uh, as well as um, Ben and and Marks, and asked him about it. And, and his response was that well, they changed the estimates in order to. Uh, reflect the carrier guidelines. Okay, uh, so so the company you were working for told you that they were were changing your estimates, so that the, your estimates reflect the carrier's guidelines. Correct. But what so, about but what about the damage? I completely agree with that implication. Right, the damage was uh, was still there and. Uh, so then, uh, what I did was I immediately called Mark, who um, is a. All right, so Mark, um, Sean reached out to you. Mm -hmm. You discovered that they were changing your estimates as well, correct? Right. So I mean, um, Xactimate is who we use for the, the estimating software, and Exact Analysis is kind of a service they use to uh, handle some of the claims and, and actually shoot them down to us. You know, through that software, and you're able to get in there and kind of look and see what's going on. Sometimes. You're limited, but sometimes not. And then, uh, you know, Ben and I, you know, we're looking at it together actually, and we pulled it up, and sure enough, you know, there were uh, there were changes made to just about all of them. It seemed like. All right, so Ben and Sean, the let me get this straight, okay? Because I want to make sure that that everybody's clear. So you went, you representing the insurance company, went to the policyholder's house. You viewed the damage yourself. You wrote a scope of the damages and estimated the damages, and then you send it in, and then they changed your scope to represent the insurance company's guidelines, and that scope that they represent, they left your name on it. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And then when they left your name on it, the scope that they were presenting to the policyholder did not reflect the proper damages that were sustained from the storm. Is that correct? Correct. Not, correct, and not only that, there's a photo report where we send in, you know, where we show the damage on the photo report to support what we wrote. In your opinion, are the insurance company's guidelines that the that they're telling you that they're changing the scopes to match, are they reflective of what's actually damaged on, at the property? Oh, no. No. Not, not at all. Not even close. All right, so that tells me then that policyholders are not getting 
what they actually do oh, because okay. of the guidelines. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Not even close. Very well, that, that's one of the problems that you have here is the policyholder doesn't even know that they've got a problem. Right. They're, they're, they're going to go, well, uh, must be right. They sent me this nice form. It's all nice and printed out. Everything looks good. And this is what they paid. I, maybe I don't agree with it or I thought it should be more, but heck, you know, I'll take what I get. Well, there's been a lot of talk about um, all the litigation that takes place in Florida. Um, and you know, Florida policyholders are a sophisticated group because we have a lot of lot of storms here. We have a lot of lot of instances that 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 cause and create opportunity, right, mm -hmm. for for um, for claims. So they're a sophisticated bunch, and because they're a sophisticated bunch, um, do you think that that these policies and procedures that they're now having you follow in Ian? could be a direct result of why there's so much litigation? My opinion is absolutely correct. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so Mark, um, you and I were talking and you said that this has been going on now, uh, in your opinion, for some time because you went back and you looked and you discovered this was has been happening now for, for some time. Did you notice it in Irma or hurricanes over in Louisiana? Yeah. Oh yeah. So tell us about that. Um, well, so within that Xactimate system, okay, you can uh, set up things like macros as far as components of rooms and things like that to kind of help you uh, go through it a little bit quicker, things like that. Well, the company, now this was, in, this was in Louisiana, this was last year, and I think Ben was uh, with me on this one too. Um, you know, typically these companies don't offer macros, okay? Uh, and it's funny because it, they're usually pretty good to have, but, um, you know, Ben and I have been to some conferences in different places and asked them, you know, hey, do y'all offer macros? And they're, no, 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 we don't. Well, the this particular company last year uh, offered some that were really well built and looked good. And, uh, and we were kind of surprised by that. But after about mm, three roof estimates into it and just doing this all the time, you know, we kind of looked at it and was like, this is way lower than, than what it should be, you know? And so I'm smart enough to dig into the macro to see what's going on with it. And when I did that, uh, it was off bad. The pricing was off. So I was like, Hmm, let me, uh, let me just see if maybe they built this macro using a price list that was right before the storm. Maybe it's not an, an indicator of any type of market conditions for the time after the storm and blah, blah, blah. So I loaded in the price guide that was the month before the storm, and it was still super, way less than that. And I was like, okay, so this is intentional. Um, at that point, I called the manager and said, hey, man, uh, you know, the, the macros y'all are giving everybody, if they're using them, which they probably are, they're uh, y'all are grossly underpaying these claims. But you know, each roof was five to six thousand dollars less. And he goes, "Oh no, no, man! You know, we're uh, we we caught that, and uh, as y'all are sending the estimates in, we're changing them to the right pricing." Well, <laughs> we were changing up the right pricing on our end once we figured it out. But when we sent them in, they they changed it back to the old price, the, the lower price. And I was like, "Y'all got to be kidding me!" Because of course. You know, the, the, the policyholders would call, and they would be like, uh, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot going on with that. I mean, because I had policyholders that called that, uh, 
that was like, look, my, my roof is not on here, you know? And uh, so the roof was off completely, completely off. off. Now this guy, but you had, but you had written for the roof. Yeah. And the, and the estimate that was submitted to the policyholder that you had written completely gone. Didn't even have it on there. But my name's still on there. But your name's on the estimate. Yeah. That's, and that's what's going on here. So it's like, uh, now, you know, at that time he got a lawyer and he sued him and won. Well, what did, I mean, right, right. Mm. So Ben, do you have some specific examples of where they dealt and both Ben, you and Sean, in both of those examples, they never contacted you before they, they changed that, correct? Not at all. Correct. All right. Did they did they did they contact you after they changed it and told you that they changed it? No. All right. And are they leaving your name on these estimates that they're changing? Yes. And they're representing they're representing that this was your scope and what you found. Yep. Correct. And that's not true. Yeah. Same not thing with all. you, Mark. One hundred percent. Okay. All right, guys. Listen, I want to thank you for sitting down with me. I want to thank you also for reaching out to me. And, and being brave enough to stand up and to say you've had enough because this is wrong. It's just wrong. Any way you look at it, it's wrong. And, uh, and thank you for, for uh, taking the time today to sit down with us and talk about this. So uh, as you can see in the, in the video, um, this guy, Mark, I, I've, I met Mark at a conference several years ago when I was thinking about onboarding with the company that he, he was uh, working for. Uh, fortunately, it didn't pan out and uh, I didn't end up going to work for him. But I, I want to kind of preface a few things that, that have been said in, in this specifically by Mark. Uh, Mark talks about the estimating program Xactimate and how it correlates with exact analysis. So when, when you're using Xactimate, right, they'll, they prepare this file, they send the file back down to you, you take that information, you go out, you do your investigation, you write your estimate, and then once your estimate is completed, you upload that along with your photos, your narrative report, and so forth. And then the desk adjuster's sole job is to review that and to make for sure that everything at least meets the standard of the estimatics, right? The estimatics are considered to be the minimum that is owed, okay? So when you come in, that's the minimum. When you walk into a room and you look, you reference back to the estimatics, and the estimatics tell you what is the minimum standard. You can always go above and beyond that but you should never go below it. And basically what happens is the file reviewers review it and then they come back and they'll tell you, they'll say, hey, look, you know, we feel like you should add this, this, and this, or this, this, and this isn't owed under the policy, please remove it. And then you would go in, you would remove it. If it's justified, you'd send back, or you would go in and you would uh, re-justify or, and, and elaborate more in your report on why that's actually owed, okay? And uh, that's a very common practice. But once that's done, then the, the desk adjuster, their job is to 
issue payment, make for sure that all the policy coverages have been paid out as they're supposed to, write the settlement letters and send it on out and through. But that doesn't always happen, right? Uh, some now, like Mark was saying, you have these guys that come in and they want to, uh, they, they, they want to make the company money, right? They want to save money. They want to keep their job, blah, 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 which you can't really blame them. And they use this estimating software and these estimatics as a way to strategically underpay your claim, which is wrong. And that's what Mark is saying here. When they use these macros and they drop the macros in, what happens is that that macro automatically propagates everything into that estimate. Now you can go inside of that macro and you can change, you know, the components, what the pricing is, what those labor rates are and so forth. And I'll actually do a video on that uh, a little while later. Um, but then let's, let's step back away from that and talk about the estimating software in general, right? You have three major estimating softwares out there. You have Xactimate, you have Simbility, and you have SimSol. So each one has benefits and detriments um, based on how you use it. But Xactimate uh, is based off of an RS means database, which probably doesn't mean anything to you guys, but RS means has been the definitive construction pricing database for years. What most of your um, a commercial estimating softwares and things like that are based off of is an RS means database. So that database, when they plug it in, it doesn't really change much. Xactimate has uh, an algorithm that calculates the market conditions based on when you should see expected rises and expected uh, falls in those construction trends based on when storms typically hit. So in spring and summer, your pricing is mo uh, typically more high. And then in the fall and the winter, your pricing begins to fade because you don't have as many people out there working, you don't have as many material shortages and so forth. Now, that being said, Xactimate's the most common program out there and it's the most customizable short of Simbility. But when we start talking about pricing, Simbility can be anywhere between 15 to 30% less than Xactimate and SimSol can be up to as much as 40% less than Xactimate. Now, according to uh, the website, assistment.com, uh, they have a blog where they specifically state in this blog, Simbility pricing, as compared to Xactimate pricing, our experience has found that on average, an exterior storm damage estimate originally written in Simbility will end up totaling 15 to 20% more when converted to Xactimate using the same or similar line items. And this was posted September 8th of uh, 2021, right? So you can kind of see how these systems can be used to, to strategically underpay your claim just based on how they alter the, the components pricing in Simbility and Xactimate. And they've designed these programs 
to where the insurance company really understands how to use them. You don't. When you see the estimate, all you see is a bottom number and that they've paid out all these scope items. And you don't know if they went in and augmented the pricing or if they went in and changed the components to make those items cheaper and, and, and easier for them to pay out. So that being said, I, I want to ask the question, why is there so much variance in the estimating software and how you use it if they're not underpaying claims? Makes no sense. Why would you have a system, especially three systems, and Tower Hill is a perfect example of this. I'm not saying anything bad about Tower Hill. I work for them. And I, I had a great time when I worked for Tower Hill. I'm not going to lie to you. I still have a good relationship with several of the guys over there. But when you work on Tower Hill project uh, claims, depending on which Tower Hill group you work for, whether it's high value homes or, you know, what, whatever it is, you may use Xactimate. You may use Simbility. You may use uh, Roof Marketplace Bids, which is a joke. You, you could use any number of, uh, of different estimating systems depending on whether you're working on high value homes or whether you're working on commercial properties or whatever. There's no consistency in it. And the reason why they do that is you have these different adjusting firms that are fighting for uh, those contracts. And one will come in and go, well, we'll use Simbility and you're using this other company that's using Xactimate. And because of that reason, you're paying 15 to 20% more. We could set Simbility up like this and, and pay the claims less. And then you'll have this other adjusting firm to come in and go, well, if we alter the components pricing and we do this, this, and this, you know, we can get, we, we can save you money on these items. These line items aren't necessarily needed. And it's this constant um, drone uh, of, of idiocy that, that, that gets these people in places where they can strategically underpay your claims and underpay them the way that Mark and Ben and, um, and, and the other guy, I can't remember his name right now, all have uh, stated in this video. And we're going to post the main video up on our website um, as well so you can go up there and you can see that now that being said why is none of this stuff being being brought up in the legislature right now you know our our, our state legislation should be considering this when they're making any regulations during any of these special sessions right and you even hear in one of the clips where um stephen bush asked uh, one of the guys, uh, he's like, do you believe that this is the reason, the strategic underpayment, the estimatics, and all the other things that they do to strategically underpay claims? He asked him, he's like, do you believe that is what's contributing to the increase in legislation or um, litigation in the state? And all three of them definitively say yes. Right. Because and I can tell you this, when I when, when I was an independent adjuster, I worked on a TPA uh, assignment contract, which is third party administrator. So it was cradle to grave on all of them. The entire time I dealt with two attorneys and I dealt with two PAs. 
And that was it. Otherwise, I paid the claims like they were supposed to be paid. If you pay the claims the way they're supposed to be paid, you don't have any you don't have any problems in the insurance market. It 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 literally is non-existent, right? You go out, you pay the claim, you deal with the contractor. The contractor wants thirty grand. You can only pay twenty. You negotiate it with them. You go, well, I can all you know twenty is what I got. Thirty is what you want. There's got to be somewhere in the middle that we can settle this. Settle it for a reasonable amount. They don't do that anymore, right? Now, none of this stuff has come out in, in, a, in a special session. None of this stuff has been discussed in a special session. Um, none of our regulators really are, are aware of these issues, or if they are aware of them, they have chosen to ignore them. And for whatever reason, nobody knows, right? But one of the big reasons why they're going on about um, the special session in particular is they want to stabilize the insurance market. Well, you can't stabilize a market that the people in the market are constantly attempting to destabilize. And the way that they're constantly attempting to destabilize is ridiculous that they're doing it by strategically underpaying the claims and forcing people to have to sue them which doesn't make any sense now to support this i want to go back to the last special session which was last year now right before the special session the these things called insolvency reports were released. Insolvency reports, anytime an insurer goes out of business in the state of Florida, an insolvency report has to be done. And, and by statute, I think it's supposed to be done within six months of the closing of the business, right? So when these uh, several companies going all the way back to, I believe, 2011 went under, none of these reports were done until last year right and they were dropped 24 hours before the special session met okay and voted on three of, or two of the biggest law no three of the biggest laws regarding insurance in the state okay and they quoted roofer fraud they quoted insurance increased litigation costs they quoted public adjusters being you know uh, thieves and crooks and everything else out there uh, raising up the rates and, and all this other stuff as reason why insurance rates were increasing. Well, in fact, if you look at the insolvency reports, litigation costs, public adjusters, and, and roofer fraud were none of the reasons why these companies went under. The reason why most of these companies went under was corporate mismanagement of funds or they were embezzling funds and taking them out for personal usage, buying personal homes and, and, and boats and different stuff for, the, for these corporate partners and basically using the insurance companies like a piggy bank to support their own uh, whatever they wanted to do. They, that's the reason why you have all of this uh, increased cost in the insurance market, and you, that's the reason why you have the, these homeowners who went from paying $600 a year for insurance to now they're paying almost 
$3,000 a year for the same insurance with less coverage. How does that make any sense in, in, in our society right now? It's, it's ludicrous. Um, but you can go up and you can see these insolvency reports for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. They are up there. And uh, the actual website, if you go to Google and you just type in um, uh, Florida insolvency reports, it'll take you right straight to the website. And it's on my Florida CFO. It's myfloridacfo.com forward slash division forward slash receiver forward slash companies forward slash insolvency dash reports. And it'll take you right straight to the, web, uh, the website and you go to property and casualty and you can see these reports go all the way back to 2011 with Southern Eagle Insurance Company. And the last one uh, to go out that's recorded on this was Insurance Company of America in 2019. Now, I won't really get into these so much right now. This will be coming out um, a little later on. But I did want to put it out there for people who were interested and do want to go and research some of this. By all means, look at these insolvency reports. Don't take my word for it because my word is it, it, it doesn't really matter in the, in the grand scheme of things. Read it yourself. Understand it yourself and, and, and see just how bad the insurance companies are screwing people in the state of Florida. It's important. And it's important to not let these people influence legislation that is going to reduce your coverage and hurt you in the long run. And that being said, uh, you know, many times we let fear get in the way of reason. And this has happened in the Florida insurance market, for sure. Like, there's no doubt the insurance companies have created enough fear over litigation and rising costs that they've, that they've hit, been able to hide the reason why these insurance companies are failing. Mismanagement simply what it is mismanagement fear of rising costs and in homeowners insurance litigation fears and a fear of losing insurers has caused a knee-jerk reaction in the in the florida market now this has caused the costs to rise and it's caused a reduction in coverage that's available and provided to the insured uh, we've seen a massive reduction in the available coverage for water mold and hurricane and now they're even trying to do it for your standard wind coverages. Uh, water is usually capped at 25,000, mold at 10,000. You, you have a hurricane deductible now. Uh, hurricane also limits a lot of things uh, from coverage. And now they're trying to do that with standard wind coverage, okay? Uh, the Florida insurance companies have effectively reduced their liability to provide coverage to less than 10,000 on most losses. You pay way more than that in insurance, okay? If we let them push more legislation through in this special session, we will be limited to $10,000 on roofs as well. They're gonna get rid of your uh, one-way fee statute. So if you do have a small claim, it's not gonna be worth it for you to, to get an attorney involved. It's not gonna be worth it for you to get a public adjuster involved. 
uh, or it's going to cost you an absurd amount that you're just not going to be able to afford or justify in your uh, in your claims resolution. They're also going to force you into arbitration where there's no guarantees whether uh, you're going to get uh, a settlement or not. Um, so don't let these people take your coverages away. Call your legislators today. Tell them not to support any legislation that will limit, reduce, or effectively remove your insurance coverage. Okay. That kind of that concludes uh, what we've got for today. Uh, we're not going to be always insurance focused. Uh, this was a is a fairly important thing to both us at at uh, my company, um, but it's also important to people in the state of Florida. Uh, this podcast is going to talk about a bunch of different stuff. Uh, I think next week we're going to talk about some upcoming cigars. Uh, what some Florida man uh, uh, news stories are. And uh, there's also going to be an interesting thing about a 116-year-old box of cigars. Um, so you can kind of see we're going to be all over the place on this. Uh, but I did want to at least bring this story out there to you, let you all know what's going on, some of the things that are happening. And if you like this, please like and subscribe. We're going to try to do weekly podcasts, probably going to start out bi-weekly and then, you know, in, uh, increase uh, from there. Uh, and it's going to be about things going on in Florida and things that are important to Florida residents mostly. All right. I'm Jeremy Sizemore, and I'll talk to you all next time.